Bracken and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. Cooper puts it in with his when things are going wrong against you you don't get the breaks in the ball Cooper in with Stewart he didn't really know where the ball was but he got the break and as you say it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time knowing that really all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Here We Go podcast. Uh, my name is Martin Clunas, I'm going to be your host for this episode. When I welcome back, as always, we have Richard Hay with us. How are you doing, Richard? Well, thank you, Martin. How are you? Ah, I'm not too bad, thanks. And we'd like to also welcome back to the podcast. You're, you're becoming somewhat of a regular. We have Erin Grieve as well. How are you doing, Erin? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be called a regular. Delighted to have you back. So we've got a packed show this evening. We have two games to look back on. Um, we have a game to look forward to against Celtic at Parkhead. We're going to mix things up a little bit. So we're going to we're going to talk about the game that's more fresh in the memory. And that's, of course, as we record this, this is last night's game. The 0-0 draw, 6-5 on pens against Hibernian in the League Cup. Firstly, I want to suggest that you know, when the lineups were announced for that game, a few eyebrows were raised. We know that McGinn was carrying an injury, um, but eyebrows were raised that it was Lowe that was coming in for them. Lowe was very busy. Um, him and Constein did fairly well with Martin Boyle, which I think was probably the reason why he was in. I'd maybe dispute that they did that well with Boyle. I mean, Martin Boyle's been getting a lot of attention far more attention than a man with his limited end product really deserves. I think now McGinn missing out was was entirely predictable with his disintegrating groin, which which has got to be a concern given he had an operation on that just before rejoining us last uh, winter. And we're still, he's missed games uh, last season in the second half because of it, and now he's he's obviously being bothered by it again. And it's a degenerating condition, so, so it's not ideal that this is bothering him. Uh, at this point, Ryan Lowe coming in obviously it allowed us to go three at the back. I'm not convinced that it worked that well, nor do I think is Derek McInnes convinced it worked that well, given that he swapped it about after after an hour to to bring McGinn back on for him. I thought Lowe was caught between two stools last night, caught between wanting to get up and support to what he did to reasonable effect, recycled the ball quite well, played it into uh, the front two quite well on occasions. Perhaps wasn't quite as on it defensively as we might have hoped for someone playing that wing-back position. Boyle is not a guy who is, whatever formation we've set out against him, has ever really given us too many problems. Before the game, people go, oh, Boyle's going to tear Considine a new one with his pace. Never really happens. Last night was probably about as effective as he's been against us. Uh, Aaron, I want to say, I mean, it wasn't an entertaining game. and No, both defences... You know, I thought that Hibbs Hibbs defence did play quite well. Ours, we know, like Richards fairly points out there. No, we were we were cut open quite a few times. It was an entertaining game for the neutrals, but putting the entertainment to one side, the quality of finishing on display really was a bit of a disgrace, wasn't it? Yeah, I think at the time, because if they've got the ball and they're having a shot on target, or defence know where to see, you are obviously a bit worried. But having actually looked back at it, Joel Lewis wasn't troubled really at all. Everything was either a poor shot was going wide or over the bar. So 
actually, they had a lot of chances, but wasted them. So I don't think they can say that they necessarily deserved to win that. I think we had a few chances. Stevie May had one that wasn't bad. And there was a couple more. I think there was one where GMS, I think, maybe tried to dink it over the keeper um, when he could have probably gone for a cross. But I don't think either team were playing their best. I think I read somewhere that that's the last time... That was the first time Hibs haven't scored Easter Road since we beat them 1-0 last October. Uh, you read that on our Twitter feed. It's the first time domestically that they've oh, If it was on your Twitter feed, then it's obviously correct. Of course it is. I just thought that sounded... I don't know, I just thought it was... They've been very good at home. I mean, we shouldn't they necessarily underplay the, the fact that we got a result there last night. That is a good win. We will have concerns about the p- performance overall, which we'll come to, but it was a good win. So yes, first time since we won there last October that they failed to score domestically. GMS, 1-0, yeah. They had a 0-0 draw with Moldy in the uh, UEFA Cup. It's also the first time they've... Uh, well. Technically, it wasn't a defeat, but it is the first time they've they've lost at home uh, in 2018 as well. So, yeah, it's a good it's a good solid win. But I mean, you talk about the quality of the finishing not being up to scratch, Martin. I thought throughout the night it, it wasn't just that; it was the quality of some of our passing and our control on what was obviously a very good surface at this time of year. Um, a nice slick surface. People, neutrals watching, yeah, they would have thought of quite an entertaining game because there were quite a few chances, but I think they would have been quite pulled at the lack of quality on offer just generally, whether it be finishing from both sides or whether it be, you know, what we attempted to do when we were trying to break. We were very, as I think the manager alluded to himself, very wasteful on possession. Some of the basics just weren't there. I mean, Graham Shinney for the first 70 minutes had one of those evenings where he you think he's playing the wrong sport. He came on to a game and his leadership became more important as the night went on. But uh, that midfield two of Ball and Shinny, certainly for the first hour or so, that there wasn't anything very much creative coming out of that. It probably set the tone for our performance in a lot of ways. Yeah, I saw someone say that they thought Shinny looked as though he'd won a competition to get to play. Um, he wasn't great, but I don't think he was good at St Johnston. I'm not sure what's going on with him. He was better in extra time. He just... Couldn't seem to string passes together, kept losing the ball. Very odd. I think part of it last night was due to the fact that it was a midfield two, really, because uh, Mackay Stephen was nominally part of that midfield, but playing much uh, further forward, trying to link with Cosgrove and uh, and um, James Wilson. As with the game on Saturday, he and Don Ball had a lot of ground to cover, and it was quite easy for Hibbs just to sort of knock the ball around between those three. Um, obviously, it's less of an issue against Motherwell because they completely bypassed the midfield. But last night, it was it was quite evident that we were getting outnumbered there and we weren't making good use of the ball when we had it either. Just because you mentioned James Wilson there, I just wanted to m- mention him as well. Clearly, clearly, you know, it's been identified fairly obviously that if he's going to have to come on a quite a good game if Aberdeen are going to do anything this season, you know, we've got you know Sam Cosgrove who's not scored a competitive goal. You know, you've got Stevie May who is woefully out of form, who I'm sure we'll discuss in a minute, um, and Bruce Anderson who is you know still very young. But uh, Aaron, I want to say like James Wilson last night, I felt that he was he was trying to create things. It seems like. He's came from an environment at, at, at you know what you would say is bigger clubs, where you know if things aren't going your way, you maybe try to kind of do, you try to win, do something yourself. And he was he was being able to be quite physical. Um, it's just the problem is I think we're, we need him to get fully fit if we're going to really kick on this season. Yeah, I think we have probably this season our main issue is creativity. McLean and Christie were very good and linked up our midfield nicely to going forward. There's a massive gap between, say, Shinny and Ball, who look fine really where they're playing. They seem to play quite well together, but 
you know, then there's a huge gap up to Wilson, who I suppose we kind of expected maybe to be like Rooney, kind of stand in the box and tap in an easy header. But actually, he's I think he's really good. He had a pretty good game on Saturday, although I think he got asked to get taken off, which I don't really like. Um, and yesterday he had a good game. He was about to collapse at 90 minutes. But that's fitness and that comes. Um, you can work on that. I don't think... I think if you're useless, you're useless. But he actually seems fairly decent. He seems bothered and he seems to try quite hard. Um, and he was where he should have been, I think, most of the time. I think he looks good. I'm hoping that he is just tired and is going to be fine for Saturday. I think one of the main, main concerns about James Wilson before he played a minute up here was going to be about his application. And that looks spot on from what I've seen so far. He looks willing to get engaged. He looks willing to stand up to the rough stuff that will get meted out up here. And you can tell that his movement is a class apart of some of the other strikers that we've had uh, this season. That We'll talk about the Motherwell game later on. But that goal owes a great deal, not only to Nam McGinn's ability to spot the pass, but obviously James Wilson's movement. And I thought he he did well last night. He linked up quite well with Mackay Stephen, with the midfield, and um, tried to bring other players into action, but also was direct when it needed to be direct. And, you know, a few of our shots in goal, actually on target, they didn't really bother Bogdan, but they were basically direct as, as a result of James Wilson picking the ball out 30 yards out and wanting to try and make something happen. So that that's encouraging, but... You still have the problem of, um, you know, an actual penalty box striker because Cosgrove is, is not really going to be that man. Again, I thought Cosgrove did a decent job last night in terms of holding the ball up. When it wasn't played at head height, he, he's... Um, he's the tallest man on the pitch other than Joe Lewis and he cannot win a header. He's got a worrying tendency not to be able to win headers against centre-backs, but I thought when it came in at chest height or when it came to his feet, he actually did a lot better. He was better than he was on Saturday. But I thought he was very bad on Saturday. I would have put Stevie May on Saturday to see how he got on playing up front with Wilson. And I think Stevie May was better last night, actually, than I have seen other than the St Mirren game all season. When people look at May's performance last night, they're going to look back at that miss uh, in the opening stages of extra time, which is fair enough. He probably should be hitting the target there. However, I don't think it was the worst miss of the night. No. no. Uh, however, he, he does actually really well to sort of the, to get the ball away in the first place he looks purposeful when he's striding forward it's just you can tell really the confidence is gone in terms of either trying to take Ambrose on and take him out of the equation or indeed looking to set up Forrester who was breaking with him there was also another one where he, he did really really well to get in between the defender and the goalkeeper from a, just a, a nothing through high through ball and just couldn't quite get enough on the lob over Bogdan. But again, it was encouraging to see that he was he was in amongst it. He was still still sharp and in his thinking, but not necessarily in his finishing. But the thing is, we know he can do that. He can do the finish. At his best with St Johnston, he was banging balls at the back of net without barely thinking about it. You know, I have seen fewer strikers in the SPL over the past 10, 15 years who were just more natural at just finding the target than Stevie May. All the... Signs and all the discussion have been about Stevie may work best at St Johnson as part of a two. So yeah, I agree. I would like to see him with Wilson, but I think I think we're going to have two 
if we do that, we're going to have two pretty similar players. And again, you're not necessarily going to have that presence, which is going to occupy the centre-halves at all times. Would you mention that with Stevie May? What's, what's the solution to that, do you think, Richard? I mean, you know, a couple of days ago we saw, um, for example, Kilmarnock came up here and played the reserves and they had three first-team players, that Dicker, Kilty and Chris Boyd, playing against basically a bunch of 19, 20-year-olds. Would Stevie May maybe benefit from 45 minutes in the reserve league maybe once a week? Quite possibly, quite possibly 90 minutes for the reserves is, um, is, is what he needs, um, but he's considered too key a part of the first team squad and he's been starting a lot of games lately, so he, he wouldn't have seen any reserve action. I wonder if he would see that as well as a demotion of sorts. I wonder if he would maybe not take that the right way. His confidence is down. There's no point in having him here if he has that attitude. No, there's not. You want someone who's going to fight for his position. I mean, this was very much the reason why it was clear Derek McInnes was happy to cut his losses on Greg Tanzi because he wasn't prepared, he, he wasn't willing to stay around in Aberdeen and fight for that midfield place. If he handled that the wrong way, then it would be a clear indication to the manager that he hasn't, he's not cut out for really fighting for that space. He wants to go back to a comfort zone. You know, we want him to. We want him to go beyond the player he was when he was twenty twenty one. I mean, it would be a good first step to recover, to get back to the form he had back then, obviously. But we want him to be the more rounded, more mature player that he promised to be at that early age. And um, yeah, maybe forty five minutes, maybe an hour for the reserves would be would be the thing which just gets him that confidence. Just you know, there's a little bit more breathing space there. A few times this season, there's been signs that. Stevie May is still worth taking a chance on, worth taking a risk on, but how long do you give a striker who isn't scoring? And the same goes for some of the other striking options as well, in fairness. I mean, Cosgrove, as you've alluded to, still hasn't scored yet. We're not quite at Nicky Maynard levels of uh, first-team appearances <laughs> without a goal, but in terms of minutes, I bet you we're up there. Bruce Anderson seems good. He missed a sitter on Saturday, and I've seen him sky the ball over the bar a few times. And I'm worried that that Rangers goal was a one-season wonder. Well, I don't know about that, but I think because he's been scoring, obviously, again, a lot of goals for the reserves, a lot of goals for the youth teams. It, it, it seems to be natural for him, but this clamour to just, you know, because a guy has come on and scored on his debut, a kid that's done that, the clamour to um, introduce him at the earliest opportunity, it's what fans do, and it's, it's really right. I think the manager who sees these guys day in, day out in the training pitch is clearly going to be better placed to make that judgment about who's, who's appropriate. Um, I mean, I recall a couple of seasons ago, you know, Conor McLennan had made his debut as a 16-year-old towards the end of the season um, away at St Johnston in a 3-0 thumping. And we'd gone through a sticky patch the, the next season where we were struggling to score goals. And, and the shout was, oh, get Conor McLennan in. Conor McLennan was miles off first team level. I don't think Bruce Anderson is miles off first team level. I think he's no, I don't. I think he's a bit young and he panics when he gets the ball in front of goal. Well, I don't know if I would say that. I, th- I, I think he he looks busy and he looks natural when he gets that chance. I mean, the Rangers one was a perfect example of that. You know, he just he took his time. He got us on target. He made stuff happen at Dens Park when he came on. Mm-hmm. He should absolutely have uh, done better on. Um, on Saturday, uh, and it was very similar to basically the McGinn finish just com- uh, last night, just completely lacking in composure. Oh, that was dreadful. I really like McGinn, so it pains me to say it, but 
Oh, and it was obvious he was going to miss his penalty because he walked up there thinking about that miss. So after 120 minutes, we found ourselves with the apparently, well, according to Neil Lennon, the lottery of penalties. But Derek McInnes after it was quite um, quite firm with him saying, not for saying penalties are a lottery, it requires mental strength and technique. Um, which Richard, you pointed out last night, Neil Lennon has the other attitude and that's why his team lost. You know, we've, we've got a really good record in penalty shootouts as well. Um, under Derek McInnes, we've scored 19 from 21 uh, in shootouts and the only misses... Unfortunately, are both from Niall McGinn, and as you mentioned there, Aaron, um, I think he was the only one who was when he was walking up. He really didn't look like he believed he was going to score. What did he? No, I knew it wasn't going in. He was thinking about the miss that he'd had, which you know we'd got to penalties, and once you're at penalty, I think you, just, you have to just forget about the rest of the game. I'd said as soon as it got to extra time, we did not look like they looked much more like scoring than we did, and if they had scored, I don't think we'd have got a goal back. So to get to penalties. I don't think was bad and I think it must be mentally difficult but once you're there you are thinking about the penalty you're taking you're not thinking about a miss you had 50 minutes ago I knew he was going to miss it um, and I think penalties of course aren't a lottery and I think that's I think it's poor to say that I also think it was poor for him to say that he's murdered us over 120 minutes I don't think nil-nil is having murdered us I mean even if they did look like they maybe had better chances and were pressing forward more they could score a goal Penalties is great fun when it's not your own team. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Credit. I mean, credit to the guys that scored as well, Richard. Um, a special mention, I think, to Bruce Anderson and Stevie May. I mean, everybody that scored. You know, the penalties were very good. Um, but for Anderson and May, I think that you no know, one of the guys has only played you know a handful of games, handful of appearances. The other one, as we mentioned, you no, know, his confidence is right through the floor, and they both managed to put them away brilliantly. Um, it goes to show that. You know, when you when you work on something, as McInnes said in his post match interview, when you work on penalties, you know, it's about getting there. And no, that's that's the kind of thing that maybe no, that might give Stevie May the confidence that we hopefully are, we're looking for, doesn't it? If we can just go back to the previous question um, about Derek McInnes coming out and saying it's not a lottery, it's a really important reinforcement there because he is he's reinforcing to his team that they have it's a skill that they've done well. He's happy that his team have done that. Whereas Neil Lennon is giving them psychologically an out, a total out from fa- for failing to do that, for failing to learn that skill, which is the thing which is determined which team goes through last night. So, so I think that that's a, a good thing to do. There is the thing which obviously the winner in a penalty shootout will say it's not a lottery, and the loser will say it is a lottery. But McInnes has been consistent throughout to say that it's something we practice, it's something we prepare for, it's part of. You know what he sees as a preparation for a cup tie like this, and um, you know not only do we say well done to those who put the penalty kicks away pretty convincingly, but the fact he had he had seven volunteers is also I think quite a good thing as well. Gone are the days when managers had to uh, scan around uh, a group of players with their head down, not wanting to take their chances in this situation. Bruce Anderson and Scott McKenna. Um, we shouldn't forget, obviously, McKenna's just a year really into his uh, top team career here at Aberdeen. They both did very well, very good penalty kicks, especially McKenna being a centre-half. A word not only for uh, Stevie May, who had rocketed his into the top corner, but Chris Forrester as well, who has had a very, very difficult start to his Aberdeen career. It seemed like the script might have been written for either of them to miss their penalty kicks. Uh, but no, good, confident finishes, which hopefully allows them to feel a bit better about themselves and about their contribution to this Aberdeen side so far this season. 
Yeah, I agree about Forrester, definitely. I, I'm worried. I don't think I've seen anything really from him that would make me think he is good investment. Um, I know he's not necessarily direct Kenny McLean, McLean replacement, but he just doesn't look... He doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. But he was better last night, and his penalty was one of the best I've seen. He was calm. He stood there like he just knew he was going to put it in. And I think for him and Stevie May and probably Bruce Anderson, they will be a really big deal because to have scored that, you know, for us to have gone through as well, they will hopefully be thinking of that and taking some confidence into the next game. I was worried about, I was probably worried about all of them, but I think you're right in that we were kind of doing the whole who would take our penalties chat. And actually, if any of them could have had one. Constantine could have taken one, Logan would have taken one. Um... If Roman Ball had to come off, I think he would have taken one. I'm not sure what Devlin would have been like, but it's quite nice that anyone could have probably had one. And it's nice to hear they've been practising that. They could practise stringing two passes together, maybe for Saturday. <laughs> yes. Uh, th- that uh, that side of the game needs a little bit more work than the penalty kicks uh, do, it would seem. Um, if every game went to penalties, we'd be fine. You know, I think we can be happy that we've got through, uh, but still have concerns over some of the very basic elements of the game, which we struggled to master last night. It's It's been a solid week so far. That was a good win last night. Make no mistake, um, any team in this league would find it tough going to Easter Road and getting through. So, um, you know, that's probably the second toughest draw we could have got apart from Parkhead. So I think we, sh- we should be... Happy that we got through, but it's, it's quite legitimate to still have deep concerns about about some of the technical skills on display last night and about, uh, obviously, the creativity and, um, I think, last night, to an extent, the fact that um, Hibbs found it fairly easy to uh, to open us up at times. Um, now, as we always do on this podcast, we always like to laugh at uh, Neil Lennon's tear-stained ranting. I, d- I don't know if he said this on the BBC, I definitely saw it on the Hibs TV interview, Richard, where he, he felt that Aberdeen were lucky to finish the, ni- the 90 minutes with 11 men. He was, t- he was saying that through the tears, obviously, which is a bit rich considering um, that, that wild lunge on Sam Cosgrove just before 45 minutes. Um, no, we love laughing at Neil Lennon on this podcast, don't we? There were a few times where you expected Shinny to pick up a yellow card and he didn't quite manage it, which is breaking very much breaking the mould for Graham Shinny. But other than that, I, I can't really think of any real contentious challenges. I think, obviously, the, the tackle on Cosgrove is an absolute shocker. I mean, he's lost control and he's, he's slid in, ends up catching right on the knee. It could quite conceivably have been a red card. Uh, might have been a bit harsh, but you could, you've could you definitely seen those given. I think over the course of the, the 120 minutes, both sides can, can point to occasions where bookings were handed out, which were a little bit soft, and, and other challenges went without a booking. I, I don't really see he's got a legitimate complaint there. Again, he should be turning his fire inwards, his own misfiring strikers, because I think all of them missed a, a, a glaring opportunity, all of his front men. I mean, they're paying Canberra six grand a week, and he couldn't even. Yeah, and they couldn't even hit the target after he'd rounded Joe Lewis. I mean, again, I think 
this Aberdeen team is often accused of being bottlers. I think you just need to look at Neil Lennon's record in domestic cup competitions as Hibs manager. I wouldn't be very happy if I were a Hibs fan at the sort of results he's presided over. I mean, going out to Hearts last season when Hearts were absolutely dreadful. His very first domestic cup tie, they went out at home to Queen of Assis. It's... It's far from a good record. But of course, because he's Neil Lennon, he's going to get favourable press. And because Hibs fans have lower expectations than us, that he's not going to get the same heat that Derek McInnes will. Since you mentioned Joe Lewis, can we just say that he was excellent last night, please? Because he is phenomenal. Yeah, another great, it was another great performance from him, I thought. As you say, he didn't have anything to do that I wouldn't expect him to deal with, I don't think. No, but I think it's more about the way he... He's just got this presence... You know, he, you see him shouting at the defence when they're not where they should be, and he is—he just looks like he's always in control. No, he's got this authority which we have, which we have lacked in a goalkeeper for a long, long time. Um, probably going back to Peter Kier, to be honest. You did feel in with Joe Lewis and our goal and Adam Bogdan and their goal, it was another sort of advantage to us ahead of the penalty shootout. But last night maybe less so because their shots were very poor. But there are games where we could have easily been. 3-0 down, and it's 0-0. Um, the Hibs draw at Easter Road earlier this season. The Hearts won at Murrayfield. is probably the big one that sticks out. There are games where Joe Lewis has single-handedly kept us in the game. I think he is fantastic. I think he's the best keeper in Scotland. You won't get much argument on here. Someone like Joe Lewis is probably worth, you know, look at me, he's worth probably what, another extra 10 points a season where, you know, and Richard mentions the kind of commanding, commanding keepers that we've, we've been lacking. Um, and I think it's probably is, he's, you know, he gives you that, he gives you, he certainly wins us a few points a season, which is what you're kind of looking for. And he is a top class keeper. And yeah, he's the, he is the best keeper in Scotland. I don't think there's any argument with that. So Aaron, Aaron we're, at an, we're in another semi-final, another trip to Hamden. There's been a kind of 50-50 bit I've seen on social media today. I mean, it is a good achievement, uh, but the manager has said himself previously that Aberdeen should be reaching semi-finals and finals. So now I'm not I'm not saying that NFD is you know out of order for celebrating getting there. You know, let's get there and let's do the do the business. But it's it's another it's another target achieved. Aberdeen should be without at a bare minimum getting to semi-finals every season, shouldn't they? Yeah, we should. I mean, I think Derek McInnes has made a massive difference. You look at stats and things, and whether people like him or think he's great or not, he has. I think people have got very used to kind of finishing second and getting to semis and finals, and so it's expected. And then the problem is when we don't do it, everyone has a tantrum about it and says McInnes is useless, but. Yeah, I think we should be getting to probably two semis at least. And I don't think we should be aiming for second. I think we should be aiming to win the league. But I think second is not a bad result. When you look at the resources Celtic have got, I mean, Rangers are spending a lot of money. We've not had the best transfer window. I think at the end of the day, if we won the League Cup, they don't write Aberdeen and then in brackets, but they weren't that great and didn't deserve it. So I don't really care. You know, Hibs fans saying, oh, but you played terribly last night, you didn't deserve it. That's not really the point. You know, we're going to Hamden and, and you're not, and that's that. I would hope that what we could do is hold out to the final, and I think the final is is different. It doesn't really matter who the team is because everyone's kind of not quite their usual selves in a final. A final is very much an absolute one-off, and you see how you get on. So, yeah, I am delighted. If someone had said to me yesterday afternoon we were going to go through, I wouldn't have cared whether we went through... Well, it would be nice if we had gone through 10-0, but... You know, whether you do it nil nil and on penalties and it's not very pretty, or you win two nil, I don't think it really matters. I'm not doing cartwheels over the concept of reaching a League Cup semi final, but if you can't enjoy moments like a penalty shoot 
shootout win at the home of a team with ideas way above their station managed by a total <laughs> dick, then what are you watching? What are you watching football for, Frank? Well, yeah, I mean, if you're an Aberdeen fan, the moments that you remember are when you end up with horrendous bruises for jumping about because you've knocked your nags on the back of a seat because you're screaming because we've gone through penalties to the League Cup semi-final. You don't remember, oh, well, we had a few bad passes and, and there's a couple of incidents where we didn't look that great. I mean, yeah, I mean that is an issue, obviously, and there are issues there and we are currently playing some not great football. But at the end of the day, I think penalties is... I think Derek is right. It's not lottery. I think it's hard. You have to practice. It's a mental challenge. And it's something that I don't think you can be lucky at all. Whereas you can be lucky in a game and sneak a goal. I don't think you can be lucky on penalties. So I think League Cup semi-final, you know, it's not the Champions League, but it's a possible trophy. And it's also a trip to Hamden and we're going in there not. The accusation I see uh, banded about quite a lot on social media is that Aberdeen are limiting expectations, limiting their ambitions, saying that, oh, reaching the semi-final is great. Well, that's in direct conflict to what Dan McInnes has said over the past couple of seasons. He has especially come out and said, we believe we can win these competitions, referring to League Cups and Scottish Cups. He's come out and said the aim, the target is to reach the Europa League group stages. And that remains, despite the success of some sides doing it from first qualifying round this year, a very tough ask, a very big ask. Beating this year, it would have been three seeded teams to get there. That's relatively ambitious, isn't it? I, I, so I, I, there's a disconnect between what people believe the, the playing staff at the club are saying and what they are actually saying. People have to bring their own biases to this situation. Again, I'll, re, I'll restate what I said earlier. It was a good, good win last night. We won't get any points for style. We won't get any marks for uh, retaining possession. And I bet you... The papers do their marks at a 10 for the players. Probably no Aberdeen player got higher than a 7. Does that matter? Who's in a draw tonight? It's Aberdeen. Um, I'll take I'll take being outplayed in the semi and a penalty kick win and then the same again in the final if it means we get our hands in a trophy. And I will care not one iota. Exactly. Everyone's saying, oh, we should be aiming to win the League Cup. But in order to win the League Cup, you have to get to the semi-final first. So let's celebrate that we've done that and then we'll just see how we get on. And I think as long as we don't get Motherwell... We might be all right. <laughs> Absolutely. I just never, I never want to see Motherwell in a cup again. It was unbearable. It was. And actually, Saturday wasn't nice to watch either. So, anyone but Motherwell, to be honest, would be all right. <laughs> well, unfortunately, you've just mentioned Motherwell there, there, Aaron. So we will very briefly go back and cover last Saturday's game. Um, the 1-0 win at home and you also mentioned that we've not been playing some very good stuff at the moment uh, on Saturday we didn't play some very good stuff uh, the performance wasn't much better than the previous week at St Johnston um, but there was one bit of magic the goal from James Wilson um, I'll be honest Richard I was still halfway through my Petrodri pie when when that <laughs> when that wonderful through ball from McGinn that's the best of Niall McGinn I think you know he's he's got that ability where he can pick passes and he can see movement and it was the first time we've really seen a real quality a bit of movement from one of the forward players, Niall McGinn, with a really great through ball, um, and it was the only kind of moment of quality in the game, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a lot to like about the goal, uh, there really was, and Wilson still has a fair amount to do uh, when the ball comes into him, and we've seen plenty of Aberdeen strikers 
not have the composure that Wilson showed in that uh, in that movement to put it away on his wrong foot as well. It was it was a very good start, but we never settled really on Saturday. And Motherwell aren't really the sort of team that allows you to settle, I suppose. I suppose. But what we did do pretty well was was stand up to um, what was the expected aerial bombardment of uh, Motherwell. Um, I, I read um, their manager um, yesterday in the press saying that Motherwell need to stop being so silky. Um, <laughs> yes, quite, quite. He reckons they're not direct enough at the moment. Do you think it's like a reverse psychology thing? Like, <laughs> if Derek said we should stop scoring five every week, I, I don't. Did, he honestly said that. He said that ahead of the Hearts game. They, they are, need to be more direct and less they are silky. Really, to be fair, we can't give them too much shit because they are our. I mean, we've lost stupid games to them so many times. Last year, you know, both cups, and we lost two 0 at home to them actually in a dreadful week. So we do struggle against Motherwell. But if I had to choose a team that I was going to watch, you know, as a kind of neutral, there was just a game on, I just don't think there's much to see there. I don't think they play very attractive football. You know, poofing balls up the park and hoping someone's going to get it, I don't think is great. Admittedly, Sam Cosgrove, I think, had a really bad game where he didn't win, I don't think, a single header. But that goal, six minutes in as well, is almost annoying. Because I then thought, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to win 3 or 4-0. And for 84 minutes, nothing really happened. There wasn't anything where I think we looked like we were trying to push on and get another couple. And I don't think there was any really kind of brilliant play from them. But I would say Motherwell is one of my least favourite fixtures, to be honest. I don't mind going away, but I just find it a bit of a dirge. Well, I want to roll back in any... Criticism Motherwell, I just found it very unusual that he would come out and say that. I think it was based on the fact that they actually had more possession than us on Saturday, which is, again, probably not a typical Motherwell uh, scenario. What I will say is, no, we weren't very good creatively, and that's an understatement. We scored a very nice goal very early on, but we stood up to what we knew would be coming. Um, so Devlin and McKenna together were more or less the first time this season since the opening. 30 minutes of league uh, of the uh, league campaign and they did what you know we know they're capable of doing so that um, the opposition were restricted to few and far chances themselves you're going to get games like that in the season granted they usually fit in february march when the pitch is threadbare and it's absolutely freezing at this stage we really needed that win on saturday that was an important win yeah it wasn't it wasn't pretty but it was three points, and uh, I think I saw someone said on Twitter, three points, all done, nothing to see here, move along. It won't be a game that I remember at all. No, it certainly it certainly won't be on the end of season review DVD anyway. If it is, then I'll be very worried about well. <laughs> the, the, goal, the goal might make it, but I think that's all we'll have. So, two wins in a week. Uh, well, two wins in a space of four days even. Um, that's enough to give an Aberdeen fan ideas way ahead of where we probably should be considering the way we're playing but um, this weekend we go to Parkhead taking on the league the league champions who are uh, are having their problems at the moment so Aaron I mean no is it a good time to play them play them I mean this is the best chance we'll have of getting three points against them since four months ago isn't it um yes it is a good time to play them if they win tonight if they lose tonight it's not because I think Celtic are not going to lose three games in a row. That is just not going to happen. I don't know what what they'll do or how they will fix that, but I just... They're not going to do that. 
they're not the kind of team that have strings of bad results. I think they're going to have a really difficult season. I think they had a bad transfer window. I think the defence look non-existent. I think Rogers, I think he wants to go but doesn't want to leave. I think there's something going on there and it's all a bit messy. However, if Celtic win tonight and we are sensible and focused and realise that they are not unbeatable, you know, I mean, last time we played them, we beat them. And there. So I think if we focus on that and think more about what we're doing, so thinking about kind of set up and formation of the team, people being where they should be, you know, pushing on from the beginning. I would rather see us lose 2 0 and push for 90 minutes than see us try and sit back and just hope we grind out a 0 0 draw. So I think if we are sensible about it, we could easily, easily pick up maybe a 2-1 win I expect they will probably score because our defence looks a little bit ropey um, but if we are pushing on and I would rather we went for it and saw what we got then well we got a nil-nil draw and we had to cling on so um, I think if Celtic win tonight we might be okay and the thing is that we beat them 1-0 last time we played there we did. Celtic had very little to play for there. I think that caveat always has to be mentioned. But that, nonetheless, is still the blueprint as to how we have to approach it. You know, we we were much better in possession in that win at Parkhead last season than, for example, we were last night. And we have to be a bit more controlled there. I would like to see maybe someone brought into the midfield that's going to be more able to do that than Don Ball and Graham Shinney proved to be last night. The troubles that they might be having right now, I still think it would be fairly suicidal to go there and properly attack because, frankly, this season we're not fluent enough to do that. We, we, I can't back ourselves to, to be scoring goals to justify that attacking approach. It has to be a really controlled aspect to, to the performance and last May's win is absolutely the blueprint for that. And Derek McInnes suggested last night that Lewis Ferguson may be back for this one. Would he, do you think he should would come straight back into the side, or will we be more cautious and defensive like we were last night against Hibbs? I'd like to see him come straight in, but if he has kind of been training and been fine, but maybe just not match fit, then yes, I think he is quite creative. I think he, I think he holds the ball up well. I think he's quite strong. I think he's got some presence in midfield which we're lacking. Midfield looks a bit empty at the minute. Shady and Ball play a bit too deep for you to kind of see how balls are going to go forward. Yeah, I think he's good. Um, to be honest, if he did nothing all season except that goal at Burnley, I think I'd be happy with that. I think he is... I think he's very interesting and I think we've probably not seen the best of him yet. I mean, Richard, Celtic, I mean, Celtic are undoubtedly are misfiring at the moment and they do have their problems, but they are still they are still quite strong going forward and they're... We, no, we've we've managed to keep some clean sheets lately, which you no, know, it's two clean sheets in a row. No, we still need to be wary of what is. You no, know, they do have some players that can hurt us, don't they? They still have the best players in Scotland. They still have the best squad in Scotland by some considerable distance. As you'd expect them to have, it would be it, it would be completely remiss of them not to have with the financial advantages that they have. Whilst they are clearly struggling at the moment, and whilst there are reasons to be optimistic as a result of that and whilst we should absolutely not have any fear of going there recent history tells me that uh, I, I shouldn't get my hopes up in any way shape or form prior to a game at Parkhead I'm, I'm not going to allow myself to do that I'm afraid <laughs> I'm actually just looking forward to the game in the sense that I actually really like Parkhead I think it's 
normally not a bad atmosphere. I think it's probably one of my preferred away days. Um, and I think more than ever, I don't know what might happen. I don't know which Aberdeen's going to turn up. You don't know what Celtic are going to be. You know, it's not as obvious as it was. If someone had told me, you know, at the start of the season, by six games in, we'd be one point behind Celtic, I'd be delighted. But that's because I would have assumed they were top and we were second. So... I mean, I just, I don't know. The season is very odd, and I, anything could happen. Yeah, I mean, they're certainly not the Celtic of the Invincible season, but then I suppose we're not the Aberdeen of the Celtic Invincible season as well. So, um, but, but we are in some respects. If you look at the start to that season, we were having exactly the same problems. We were struggling to score goals. We didn't have any threat through the middle. We were completely reliant on our wide players. We'd, you know, had a narrow and disappointing European exit. In many respects, we actually are. The question mark is to whether we can make the transition into the free-flowing, free-scoring side of the second part of 2016-17, which I, I kind of doubt. But um, we actually, in terms of the start of the season, this is not unusual for us to be to be struggling a little bit at this point. I mean, obviously, twice in the McInnes in recent seasons, we've, we've won the first four and had a decent point haul at this point in the campaign. But... Uh, but certainly it's not unusual for us to take quite a few months to actually get the team together because not quite as much as uh, at the end of sixteen seventeen, moving into the start of last season. But we've lost key players and he's trying to bed in new players and those new players, especially those uh, the bigger names, if you will, the Gleasons and the Foresters that were brought in to, to fix the, the gaps, plug the gaps in that midfield, haven't hit the ground running. So... So it's been a struggle. He's had to play about with things. He's had to uh, basically try and fix things on the go. And it's not always been pretty. Gone back to safety first football at times. And over the last couple of games, that's very much been the case. But we're still churning out results. There's been a couple of games that you... Obviously, you're disappointed to lose a late equaliser at Easter Road. You kind of think we should have pushed on and got the win at Perth. And we were obviously very disappointing against Kilmarnock. But again you can't ignore the fact we lost a man after three minutes. So so it's not been great, but it's not been anything like as horrendous as many people would uh, would like to think. I think it would be worse if everyone else was doing fine. If Celtic had been doing their usual and were you know, taught by miles. If everyone else was having decent games and seemed to have a good window, but everyone's fit all over the place and... It actually makes it a little bit more interesting. I mean, yes, it'd be nice if we were one point clear of Celtic and sec- uh, one point behind Celtic and second, but no one is really, I would say, miles. Ahead. I mean, Hearts, I suppose, technically on paper, are miles ahead, but I can't see that lasting the duration of the season. So I don't know. It's quite fun. Who knows what might happen? We might win the league. Well, we did speak about this last week, and, and, and Hearts were the obvious example, but their nose obviously was put a little bit out of joint by uh, drawing at home to living. Again, Hibs were the big Edinburgh football revival. Well, I think last night uh, would have been better to obviously win it uh, in traditional fashion, but last night is a is a bit of a reminder to them that, um, no lads, you, you, you need to uh, calm down a little bit. You'll probably end the season fourth or fifth, um, just like you usually do beneath Aberdeen. In the context of what Hibs have achieved at home, they've been very, very effective at home, far less effective away from home. That's generally where we have the edge. I think you you have to accept that we've, we've done a reasonable number on them so far. To take that next step, to think about winning titles, 
we probably need to be to be going there with a bit more belief and a bit more ambition in our play to actually turn those one points into three points. And, and over the course of a season, I'm, I'm not sure uh, we're going to have that, unfortunately. But um, let's see where we are after Saturday. Of course, we can win. We proved it very recently that we can win. As I say, the, I, I refuse to get my hopes up prior to uh, a Parkhead game. It's just it's so ingrained in me now. They've, they've they've almost broken you, Richard, haven't they? Um, yeah, I mean, slightly. I'm kind of quietly confident. I think there's no, there's definitely a chance of us getting something something from it anyway. Whether that be a point or dear lord, all three, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And certainly looking forward to it. We'll obviously have a have the report on the Twitter feed on Saturday. Um, we'll have great content throughout the week as well. We don't just tweet on match days. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast. Um, you can like us on iTunes. Please do re- read, uh, rate and review. Your reviews are very important to us. It helps us get up the rankings and get more listeners. Tell a friend about the podcast as well. Tell a friend about the Twitter feed. We want to hear from want to hear feedback from you all as well. Um, that's all for this week. Um, I just want to thank the guests, Aaron Grieve. Thank you very much for coming back, Aaron. You're welcome, thanks for having me. No problem at all. And thanks very much to Richard Hay. Thanks again, Richard. Cheers, Martin. I've been Martin Clunis. We'll we'll speak to you all next week. Come on, you Reds.